All right, Jabba, say good morning, everyone. Let us begin a good chodesh. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamatora sponsors, for the month of Tishrei. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, still to Tishrei today. So we'll thank our Tamatora sponsor, the month of Tishrei, Avram and Shandy Kelman, for dedicating all of the Shiurim and Drushos this month in memory of their beloved parents. To thank Jack Bennett for dedicating the Drushos this month in honor and memory of Givati Brigade First Sergeant Nikolai Rappaport and Dr. Linda Weinberg for dedicating all the Shiurim this month in memory of her husband, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz, Moshev, and Avraham David. We also thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Avron Shaw and Sean and Judah Elbaum. For dedicating the Shurim this week in the merit of Rafur Shlema for Ami Ben Chaya. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatura. Kol Chole Yisrael have a complete day during Rafua, all of the Neshama Shav and Aliyah, and the families a Nechama. And also with that, let us, let us begin. So we are picking up today's Daf is Lamed Vav 36, and we are actually picking up on the top of Lamed Vav. Very first line. Suppose you remember again, we left off mid discussion yesterday. The Mishnah told us that You are permitted to go ahead and lower fruit on a, if you have fruit drying on a roof and it begins to rain, you want to get it out of the rain, you can go ahead and lower the fruit via a skylight. The Gemara was trying to clarify, the Gemara was trying to discuss or understand how much fruit, right? Is, is there a cap on the amount of fruit? that you are permitted to move in this particular fashion. So the Gemara contrasted this with a case from Shabbos, right? The case from Shabbos was you have, you have um, barrels or, uh, yeah, we'll call it barrels, receptacles of hay, right, or straw, and you need to move it, because again, you need room for the shear, or because you're having guests. So the Gemara over there said, the Gemara explained that it was mefanin arba v'chamish kupos. You could move four or five barrels, four or five boxes of straw. So the Gemara was trying to figure out, does that same shear, does that same amount apply to this halacha or not? So says the Gemara, let's begin. Top of Lamed Vav. Tanan hasam, avaloa sa'otzar. Interestingly enough, interesting enough, by Shabbos, you're permitted to move four or five baskets or boxes of straw. But halacha lamaisa loa sa'otzar. What does that mean? Look at Rashi. Tap Rashi. Shalom yigmar sa'otzar. Im lo hayu sham ala arba o chamesh kupos. She tiru lo b'makom sheish yoser kan. Lo etiru lufnosan kulon. Velegalos es haritzpa. Delma havi beguma umashvela. So we'll say this is quite fascinating. So the Gemara explains very beautifully that the issue over here is as follows, which is that if you're clearing out these baskets or these boxes of straw in order to go ahead and make room for Achnasas Arachim or to make room for the base medrash, you cannot clear out all of the boxes and expose the floor. What are we concerned about? That perhaps once you expose the floor, you will find that there are some, uh, some uneven areas on the floor and you will come to be mashve gumos. Mashve gumos means to flatten out the floor. Now, interestingly enough, we saw this in Smichas Chavra a little bit, being mashve gumos, what's the problem with flattening a floor on Shabbos? What's the answer? It depends where you're doing it, right? Inside of a home, it could be an issue of bona, of building, in a field, it could be an issue, ultimately, again, of Zora Harisha, of preparing a field for planting. In any event, so, what does it mean, So, we'll say, what's the halach over here? So, that's a din by Shabbos. What's the halach over here by Yom Are you allowed to clear off all of the fruit from the rooftop? 
Or do we need to be concerned that halacha if you clear off all the roof, fruits from the rooftop, you'll level out the rooftop? Maybe we only have to be machmir by Shabbos, because Shabbos is Shabbos. But Yom Tiv, which is a little bit more relaxed in its halachos, perhaps we don't have to worry about this halacha. You could even clear off all of the fruits from the roof. Or maybe you could say this, by Shabbos, the reason you're allowed to go ahead and move stuff is why? Because of Bittl Beis Hamed. Just remember again, the Gemara gave two cases by Shabbos. One was because you're, it's Beis Medrash, you need room for the Shir, you need room for Torah. The second, ultimately, again, was Hachnas Asarchim, which is another way of saying that on Shabbos, there's a compelling need. By Yantiv, the only compelling need is financial loss. So maybe the only license to move stuff in general is by Shabbos, where there's a more compelling need. But by Yantiv, where it's just a financial loss, maybe not. To which the Gemara says, And furthermore, again, I will say, so what the Gemara is going to do is contrast a number of these cases between Shabbos and Yantiv. So here we learned by, by our Mishnah, by Yantiv, You can lower fruit, Via the skylight on Yomtiv. This is very interesting. You could lower fruit through the skylight on Yomtiv, but it's got to be on that rooftop. However, just by the way, as we go on, we'll see the picture that the Gemara's painting is like this. That essentially, the reason why you could move your fruit around on Yomtiv, even though, remember, this was fruit that was spread out to dry. Because this fruit is spread out to dry, technically, one could consider it what? Muktza. But the, the, the image over here essentially is you're kind of just pushing it down the skylight. That, that, that's what's happening over here. So therefore, the Gemara says, Rav Nachman says, you cannot move this fruit from one roof to another roof. The license to move the fruit through the skylight is on that very roof. But to go ahead and move it from one roof to another roof, you can't do. That supports his first wide line. You cannot carry the fruit from one rooftop to another rooftop, even if the roofs are, are level, are the same. So that's, this is the din by Yomtiv. What's the halacha by Shabbos? So now what's the Shabbos asking by Shabbos? Shabbos, you told me that I can move four or five boxes of straw to make room in the base magish or to make room in my dining room for guests. So now by Yomtiv, we just said you can move fruit, but you can't move fruit from one roof to another roof, right? You can only go ahead and push it down the skylight of the roof that it's on. What's the halacha by Shabbos, right? How much mobility do you have on Shabbos? Do we say, the Gemara says, Hachuhu da'asrimishum Yomtiv. On Yomtiv, we prevent you from moving produce from roof to roof because Yomtiv in general is more mako and we're concerned that if we allow you to start moving stuff from roof to roof, what's going to happen? There's going to be a general degradation, a general zilzal of Yomtiv. But Shabbos, which everyone treats, with incredible, incredible intensity. If we allow you to move the straw from one roof to another roof, no one's going to come to be mezalzal. No one's going to come to degrade the sanctity of Shabbos. Odoma, ma'hacha di'ika hefsid peros amrit lo. Or you could say the counter-argument, when it comes to yamtiv and there's the potential of a financial loss, yet even with financial loss, chazal still don't allow you to move it from roof to roof. 
In the case of Shabbos, where there is no financial loss, all the more so you're going to have limited mobility. Okay, so the Gemara doesn't answer it. Hacha, I'll say another example. Hacha, Tinan, lo yishalshalim bechabal bechalonos, velo yoridim derech sulamos. Well, so listen to this. Furthermore, over here, by Yantiv, when moving the fruit, the Mishnati, we learned that you may not lower the fruit with ropes through a window, nor can you take them down by ladders, which again, I'll both say, all keeps on pointing in the same direction. The ability to move this fruit is essentially, you can push it down the skylight. That's what you can do. What can't you do? You can't start putting it in baskets, lowering it down through windows, or taking it down through ladders. That's not the license in this case. Hachamai, what about by Shabbos? When I'm clearing out these four or five baskets of straw, to make room in the base marriage or to make room in my dining room. So what's the halacha? Can I go ahead and lower the straw with a basket? Can I lower the straw through windows? Can I lower the straw through a ladder? So we'll say we say that it's also why because the only thing that's driving me is finances, right? It's not like the presence of the fruit is impeding my ability to conduct any of my normative activities of yomtiv. Therefore, again, that's why there's a restriction. Aval Shabbos, the Ika Bittel Beis HaMedrash, but by Shabbos, where the presence of the straw prevents me from learning in the Beis HaMedrash or prevents me from having company, maybe I should be allowed to do it. So the Gemara says, Shabbatami, Odoma, Hacha Dika, Hafsiperos, Amrit Lo, or you could say just the opposite, that maybe when it comes to yomtiv, even though there's a financial loss, you're still restricted in mobility. All the more so on Shabbos where, again, there's an inconvenience, but there is no financial loss involved. Perhaps I should not be able to move it in this way. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, Teku. So we'll say, so the answer to all of these questions is Teku, right? In other words, the Gemara, the Gemara is not clear in terms of how to go ahead and, how to go ahead and, Compare the case of Shabbos to Yom Tiv. Now, of course, take in all of these situations, it means we rule the Chumrah, right? In all of these cases, we'll just be Machmir. So therefore, pretty much, whatever is going to be Asr in one is going to kind of end up being Asr in the other, just by default. Incredible. Amr Ula, supposed to be Govaito. So furthermore, again, remember again, the next, so case number one in the Mishnah was the ability to push the fruit down the skylight. And the Chiddush of that was, even though those fruits are spread out to dry, and they were technically speaking, they were set aside for non-use, you're allowed to push it through the skylight in order to go ahead and save yourself from financial loss. Case number two in the Mishnah was Mechasen Esaperos. So we'll say this is, this is I have fruit. It's the same case, I have fruit. It's raining, right? Or I have a leak in my house, whatever it is. And the fruit is going to get ruined by the leaking water. So what am I allowed to do? I could cover up the fruit with a kli. Okay, so it says the Gemara, Amar Ula, Vafilu Avira Delivni. So this is very interesting. Ula said, by the way, you could even cover up rows of bricks. Then I will say, this is very interesting. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Vafilu Avira Delivni, Levenim Hasadurim Umuktsim Lebinyan, Ugeshamim Notfim, Umesyare Shalo Yamuchu, Mutulatal Kalim Litzarachan, Ulechasosan, Velo Aminan Hall, Behin Asman, Enotlin, so listen to this. So Ula comes along and says, not only can you cover fruit, but let's say you have bricks. You have leftover bricks, Rashi says, right? Or I should say not even leftover bricks. You have rows of bricks that are set aside for building. 
The problem is, if it rains on the bricks too much, it erodes the quality of the brick. So you, on Yantiv, want to cover the bricks in order that they don't get ruined. Ula says, that's mutter. Then I both say, now why is that a chiddish? Because you might have thought, we saw this in the Chosmokta, you might have thought that you only have a license to move a kli, to benefit something else, which itself can be used on Yantiv. In this case, Yantiv, or Shabbos for that matter. But if, the, but if the item you're covering is muktza, which a brick that is set aside for building is muktza, then I might have thought that halacha I don't have the ability to move something else for the benefit of that item. So if the item being covered is muktza, I don't have a right to move a kli to benefit that item. Uba says, kamash yes you can. The same way that you could cover fruit when it's raining, you could also go ahead and even cover a row of bricks, even though those bricks are set aside for building, and therefore again, muktza. So Rabbi Yitzchak, Omer Peros Haru'uyin. Rabbi Yitzchak says, no. Rabbi Yitzchak says, no, it's that, that's not true. In other words, the only reason you're allowed to go ahead and cover the fruit is because the fruit are fit for consumption. So you could only move a kli on Yom Tiv, and this is also for Shabbos. You can only move a kli on Yom Tiv or Shabbos to benefit something which itself is usable on Shabbos slash Yom Tiv. But if the item you're covering is not usable, then you may not move another kli to cover that on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. Look at Rashi, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Amar, very important phrase. Any kli which itself is not usable, another kli may not be moved on Shabbos or Yom Tiv to service that item. So both say, fundamental machlokes, ula rabbi Yitzchak. Both say, this is a fundamental machlokes in Hilchos Muktza. When something is Muktza, can you move another kli to cover the muktza item? Ula says yes. Rabbi Yitzchak says no. Says Rabbi Yitzchak goes according to his reasoning. The Am Rabbi Yitzchak in kli nital ella davah nital b'shabes. Rabbi Yitzchak says about say this is Rabbi Yitzchak's position by Hilchos Muktza that you cannot move a kli to service a muktza item on on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. To which the Gemara says davah nital b'shabes tenan. And the truth is, the Mishnah seems to back this up, because what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says you could cover fruit with kalim on Shabbos. Peros in, peros in, lo. You can infer from the Mishnah. It's tafka fruit that you could cover with the kli, but bricks you can't. I mean, the Mishnah is purposely choosing its case, a fruit which seems to back up Rabbi Yitzchak, to which the Gemara says not necessarily, lo. Maybe not. It could be that according to the Mishnah, you could even move a cleat to cover a row of bricks. So we'll say, I, if it's true that you could even move a cleat to cover bricks, so why does the Mishnah use the example of covering fruit? Simple. Textual symmetry. The Mishnah opened with a case of fruit and therefore just continues with the same example of fruit. But don't necessarily read into the Mishnah a support for Ula and a refutation of Rav Yitzchak's position. Says the Gemara Tanan, and remember the Mishnah said the same thing. Let's say you have you have jugs of wine or jugs of oil that are getting ruined by water, getting ruined by rain or by a leak. The Mishnah also said you're permitted to go ahead and halacha cover the jugs with a kli. So the Gemara says halacha So this again, I will say 
This is also another example of moving a cleat to cover something which itself is permitted on Shabbos and Yom Tiv. maybe not talking about asking what we're talking about over here. Betivla, interesting. Maybe we're talking about wine or oil, which are tevel, which are tevel. What's it meaning? Tevel means what? Untied produce. What's the status of untied produce on Shabbos and Yom Tiv? Mokta. So again, this could be talking about a case also of moving a kli to cover a mokta item. Because if we were just talking about wine and oil of heter, so peros then it would be repetitive. Because if it's if the jugs of oil and jugs of wine in the Mishnah are totally permitted, then the case is absolutely repetitive. It's the same thing as the case of fruit, to which the Gemara says, well, maybe not. I'll tell you why. It's trichalei, sakadai tchamina, lehefsid merubach hashashu, lehefsid muat loch hashashu. See, I said, it's actually quite fascinating. If it would have just said the case of fruit, you might have thought the only license to cover something on Yom Tiv is in a case of hefsid merubah. But in a case of hefsid muat, Right, a small, a small loss. Perhaps you don't have the license to go ahead and cover the utensil. And I both say it's fascinating because when I read this Gemara, you would think the case of hefsid meruba is which case, the wine and the oil, right? And the case, and the food is hefsid muat. It's just actually just the opposite. The case of hefsid muat. I, I guess the nature of Talmudic wine and Talmudic oil. So if it got a little bit diluted, it wasn't a big deal. Fruit can rot. Fruit can rot. So therefore, again, kamash malon, you need both cases. So tonight, so we'll say, so again, just to, just to, so we're clear where we are. We're holding in the middle of a dramatic machlokes, Ula and Rabbi Yitzchak. A machlokes in Hilchos Muktza. Namely, can you move a kli to cover something which itself cannot be moved? Can I move a kli on Shabbos or Yom Tiv, move a utensil, which is not Muktza, in order to cover something which is Muktza? So Ula says the answer is yes. Rabbi Yitzchak says the answer is no. The answer is no. So therefore, again, let's go by to Tanan. No stinkli tachas hadalach b'shabes. So as we've seen this case, you can go ahead and place a kli under a leak. Under a leak. Now, Bepashtos, we're assuming that if it's a leak, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says no stinkli tachas hadalach. It's about five, six lines before Rashi gets wide. Harisha kli nita lekabobo mukta ki haidilo chazi lemidi. Now, both sides. The dalaf, the leak, we're assuming is water that is not really fit for anything. So therefore, essentially what you're doing over here is you're moving a kli to collect something which is muktza, which is muktza, to which the Gemara says, that seems to be a good indication to support the position of Ula, that a kli can even be moved for a muktza purpose. <coughs> to which the Gemara says, no, bidalaf aroi. What are we talking about over here? Talking about water that's usable. Okay, that was easy. Order that's usable. Tashma, parson, machatzalas, hagabi, levenim, b'shabes. Let us listen to this. Bryce says, you could spread out a mat over bricks on Shabbos. Again, seems to be pretty explicit. Bricks, we assume, are mokta. You're moving a mat, you're spreading out the mat over the bricks in order to save the mokta. This seems to support Ula, to which the Gemara says, no, di'yaiser mibinyana. D'chazi lemizgalai. What are we talking about? Surplus bricks. Bricks that were left over after building, which you could use to recline on. Therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, they are not moksa. So, Tashma, Parsin Machatzalas al Gabi Avanim Bishabis, you could spread out bricks over stones on Shabbos. Abosai, Bepashtos, stones, stones are moksa. 
or muktza, yet you're allowed to go ahead and spread the cloth over, or whatever you're spreading over the kli, over the bricks, in order to save the bricks, the stones, I'm sorry, to which the says, no, 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 what kind of stones are we talking about? Sharpened stones that people use after, to, after they relieve themselves. Also, you've seen uh, in our journeys through Shas, we've spoken much about these stones. Right? Again, don't try this at home. But, but, but Lamaisa, again, clearly it was the way that they cleaned themselves after, after relieving themselves. So that's the stones we're talking about over here. Right? Those stones, of course, are not muktza. Tashma. This is an interesting case. You could spread a machatzalas as a mat. Kavaris devorim is a beehive. You could spread a mat over a beehive on on Shabbos. Either to protect it from the sun, or from the rain. In order, as long as you have in mind, not to trap the bees. Not to trap the bees. So I will say, now, a beehive is moktza. A beehive is moktza. Yet the halacha is that you're allowed to spread a mat in order to protect it from the sun or in order to protect it from the rain. See here, you're moving a kli to benefit a moktza item. To which the Gemara says, hasam nami di'ikadvash. Oh, no, what's the case? The case is there's honey in the hive. So therefore, the hive is not moktza. The hive is not moktza because you're allowed to go ahead and access the honey. That's fine during the summer, because in the summer there is honey in the hive, but during the winter there is not. And yet again, remember it says, because of the rain, the rain is associated with the winter. So the Gemara says, What's is very interesting. It only refers to the two chalos. What's the word of the two chalos? The two honeycombs. In other words, in a beehive, you always made sure to maintain honey inside of the hive so that during the winter, the bees could subsist on those honeycombs. Interestingly enough, the Gemara says, those combs, those honeycombs are also accessible to me. So therefore, by definition, the hive is not muktza. Osan shtechalos, muktza sein. But says the Gemara, one second, those two chalos, right? Those two honeycombs really are muktza because they're set aside for use for the bees. Rashi says, Muktza, here, Bible says, here, Muktza literally means set aside. Muktza, then Rashi says, Lidvorim, they're set aside for the bees. To which the Gemara says, Hachamayas, Kinan, what's the case? Shechashavalayim, where you had in mind before Shabbos that you're going to partake of the honey in the honeycombs. Okay. Avalochashavalayimai, but if that, but it both say, let's say, so again, if it's talking about during the winter, and you had in mind to partake of the honeycombs prior to Shabbos. Fine, so then it's not muktza. But if you didn't have in mind, Lamai said it's going to be muktza. And perhaps you should not be able to go ahead and move a mat in order to cover it. To which the Gemara says, if that's the case, Adetani is kabin lotsud. Instead of the Bryce saying that you could cover the hive as long as you don't have in mind to trap the bees, go ahead and literally, you could split the case into two. When is it true that you could cover the hive during the winter? When you had in mind to partake of the honeycomb. But if you didn't have in mind to partake of the honeycomb, it's aser. In other words, why even bring in the whole issue of tzedah, of trapping? Just go ahead and divide the case between having in mind to take it, having in mind to partake of the honeycomb and not having in mind. 
means to say, even if you had in mind to partake of the honeycomb, what the Bryce is just adding in over here, Bose, is that there's two concurrent issues. There's an issue of Muktza and there's an issue of Tseida. Right, so the issue of muktza is remedied in the in the summertime. You really don't have such an issue of muktza. Why? Why? Because there's available honey. Right, in the winter time, you take care of the issue of muktza by having in mind on erev Shabbos to partake of the honeycomb. But even if you take care of the issue of muktza, be cognizant that there is a secondary issue. And what is the secondary issue? Seda, trapping the bees. So make sure that when you cover the comb, you cover it in a way which does not result in trapping of the bees. Okay, incredible. So the Gemara says, "Bamayo kimta." So we'll say, "How are you establishing this case?" Right. Remember, this whole discussion is in line with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who holds of a more global definition of mukta. Look at the end of that brayso. Obavachlo yiskaven lotzud. As, what did the Bryce say? You could cover the honeycomb, you could cover the hive, as long as you don't have kavana, right, to trap the bees. I saw in the Rabbi Shimon. Both said, this reflects the view of Rabbi Shimon, because what does Rabbi Shimon say? The Amar, Dabar She'ein Miskavein Mutter. Rabbi Shimon says, as long as you don't have kavana for malacha on Shabbos, it's mutter. So as long as you don't have kavana to trap the bees, your act is going to be mutter. Here's the problem. Even Rabbi Shimon who holds, there's a lot of stuff going on over here. Even Rabbi Shimon who holds that a darshan is coming is mutter, an unintended act is going to be mutter, agrees that a psikresha, what's the psikresha? What's the psikresha? A definitive act. In other words, I could have something that is unintended, but if I know there is a definitive consequence, even Rabbi Shimon will say that it is mutter. If that's the case, if that's the case, halacha lamaisa, if I know that by covering the hive, it is going to trap the bees, even if that's not my kavana, if it's a psik resha, it should be usher. To which the Gemara says, you're right. The olam kul Rabbi Hudi. The entire Bryce reflects the view of Rabbi Huda. What's the case? Vachamayaskinon is be kavi. Rabbi will say, interestingly enough, the beehive has windows. This is a high-end beehive, right? Is that right? right? All the amenities, right? So, so what does it mean it has windows? Again, it means it has openings, right? As opposed to, I guess, a regular beehive, which maybe only has one opening, this beehive has a number of different openings. And therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, Rashi says over here, the Ispe Kavi, Chalonos, Yesh Bedaf third line up from the bottom, the Apa Pisha Mechase as Piha, so we'll say the idea that Rabbi Huda is saying is when you cover the hive, if you cover the primary entrance, make sure not to cover the windows. Because if you cover the windows of the hive, then you have created what? A tzeda, a trapping situation. Incredible. Says the Gemara, And therefore, again, don't read it as saying, as long as you don't have kavana to go ahead and trap the bees. Amad Beis, Ela Ema, Rather, what it should, the way it should read is that this works fine as long as you don't have kavana to make it a trap. That's what Rabbi Yudh is saying over here. As long as you don't have in mind to make it into a bee trap. To which the Gemara says, Pshita, isn't that obvious? Suppose they listen to this. This is actually quite fascinating. What would you have thought? 
Bemino nitzud aser shelo bemino nitzud mutter. So I'll say there's a lot of stuff going on over here, right? There's hilchos muktza. There's hilchos tzeda. So here's what's fascinating, right? Tzad, right? Right? Tzeda is one of the thirty-nine malachas. You're not allowed to trap an animal on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. So I'll say we saw this before. Interestingly enough, there's an interesting havamina. Perhaps the malacha of tzedah only applies to animals which are normally trapped. But animals which are not normally trapped, perhaps the malacha doesn't apply to them. Sefer will say, I might have thought that halacha lemaisa, do you trap bees? Do you trap bees? No. You kill bees. Right, you go. In words, trapping a bosa means an animal that you want. It doesn't. See, we think you would think to yourself, of course, you trap bees, right? Because you don't want them. No, no. Trapping means I trap something because I want it, not that I trap it because I want to get rid of it. So the havamina is. I might have thought that the malach of tzeda only applies to the types of animals which are normally trapped. Look at Rashi. Mal de temer tap Rashi and anamid beis. Daver shemamino nitzot shederech lotzud es bnei mino kigon chayo vaov. So I might have thought that the Malach of Tzedah only applies to animals which are normally trapped, like, like animals, like behemoths and chayas. But for bees, perhaps that doesn't apply. Kamash Malano, Rabbi Huda says, the Malach of Tzedah applies even to bees. So I will say, we're going back to the Bryce. Ravashi, Ravashi says, Did the Bryce say that you could cover the beehive during the winter and the summer. That's not what it said. Rather, it said, Rather, it said you could cover it in the heat, during the heat because of the heat, and during the rain because of the rain. So I will say, what is this referring to? Ah, what is it referring to? I will say, it's referring dafka to Nisan and Tishrei. What's unique about Nisan and Tishrei? The Ikechama, the Ikechishamim, so I will say the months of Nisan and Tishrei are interesting because they can have both rain and heat, and both of those months also have honey in the hive. So therefore, again, there's not really a mukta issue because since there's honey, since there's honey, therefore the hive is usable by the human owner. So I will say, so again, so remember, all of this was in Machlokis, Rabbi Yitzchak, and Ula, which is, Halacha Lamaisa, again, for Hilchos Muktza, can you move a Kli on Shabbos or Yom Tiv to service something which is Muktza? Ula saying yes, Rabbi Yitzchak saying, we passing like Ula, that you are allowed to move a Kli on Shabbos or Yom Tiv, a non-Muktza Kli, in order to service a muktza item. That is halacha lemaisa permitted. Because we'll say essentially, essentially, the machlokas is looking at, do you look at function or do you look at goal? Right? So Rabbi Huda says, if you're servicing something muktza, that's called an act of muktza. Ula says, we look at the utensil itself. Is the utensil muktza? Is the utensil not muktza? If it's not muktza, who cares where you're moving it or why you're moving it? It just simply doesn't matter. That's how you pass Kana that as long as the Kli itself is not Mukta, you can use it to go ahead and cover something which is Mukta. Now, I will say there is a secondary related discussion over here, which, which here, well, let's see right now. Venostin Kli Takas Hadlach So I will say this is very interesting. You are permitted to go ahead and put a Kli 
underneath the rain, right? Underneath the rain or underneath the the leak. Really, dlaf means the the leakage, right? You're permitted to go in and put it under the under the what that which is dripping in order to catch it. So remember, what I, said, I just want to point out the Gemara quoted this case before. Remember again, how did the Gemara interpret it? That it was talking about water that is fit for use. Now the truth is that's not necessarily the pashat pshat in this case. You're going to see it. it says the Gemara. Tana, in the Smali Hakli, if the utensil fills up with the water, Shofeich Vishona Ve'inon Nimne. You could keep going ahead and pouring it out. Right? You could keep going ahead and pouring it out, even the entire day, if you need to. Okay? So let's see, here we go. Listen to this story. Kirachia Da'abaye. There was a story of the millstones of Abaye. So the Gemara says, Dolph. So there was, there was water dripping on the millstones of Abayi. Now I will say, the problem with water dripping on the millstones is the millstones were made, Rashi says, out of tit, out of mortar. If water continuously drips on them, they will erode. So Abayi comes, so listen to this, Abayi, so Abayi is this water dripping on Abayi's millstone. I will say, it's an incredible maisa. Also le de Rabba. Abayi came to Rabba. Amr says, Rabba, Rabbi, what should I do? Amr lay, listen, this is wild. Zil aile lepurech lahasam. Bring your bed into the area where the millstone is. Bring your bed in there. Because this way, the millstone will become like graf shel rei. They both say, this is absolutely incredible. They both say, the aloch of graf shel rei is a din in muktza. Graf, graf shel rei literally means a bedpan. A bedpan. If you have a bedpan in a room in which you are, in which you, in which you are present, the halacha is, and you're spending a lot of time there, the halacha is you're allowed to take out the bedpan. I isn't the bedpan, isn't the bedpan muktzah? And what's the answer? Chazal suspended the laws of muktzah for the purpose of kavod abrios. So it's in the muktzah. Right, for the purposes of human dignity, Chazal went ahead and suspended the laws of Muktzah. So you could take out the bedpan, you could wash it out, and as many times as you need to take it out over the course of the day. Now, the dispensation of Graf Shareli only applies where? Only applies where? In an area where you are currently existing and spending a lot of time. In other words, if there's a Graf Shareli in another room, I'll give you the classic example of this. Are you allowed to take out garbage from your house on Shabbos? Yes. I garbage is Muktzah. Garbage is muktzah. Graf Shalrei allows you to take out the garbage. Now, what can she do? If you take out the garbage and you left it by the back door, right? You left it on the back door, you can't come back later on on Shabbos and then take it to the garbage can. Because once the Graf Shalrei is out of your house, it's muktzah. It's muktzah. So you have a license to take it out of your house. And once it's in your hand, you know, Halukos Muktzah says, once you have a right to carry something, you could take you could put it into your garbage, you could throw it on the neighbor's lawn, you could put it wherever you want, right? Once it's in your hand beheter, you could drop it off wherever you want. But once that garbage is out of your house, done. We're done until the end of Shabbos. Because the din of Graf Sharei only applies when the quote unquote offensive item is with you, is in your face. So listen to this. Sabai's millstone is eroding because the water is dripping on it. He comes to Rabbi. Rabbi says, listen, here's what you need to do. Move your bed into the area where the millstone is. Now, therefore what? If you move your bed into the area of the millstone, suddenly again, in your bedroom, there's graf shalrei. There's graf shalrei. And what happens? So the Gemara says, the graf shalrei, v'afke, v'afke. And then ultimately again, 
Rashi says over here, Zil Ayah the Purak Lahasam. Rashi says over here, Levayishu Shem the Lahabi Grafsharei Sheyu Muusim Harechayim Lachar Shliyos Lifnei Mitascha Vatamutur Letaltalon Uliotzim Lachas. You both say at that point in time, Rabbi says Tabaye, when your bed is inside the same room with the millstone, the millstone becomes the Grafsharei. That's Grafsharei over here because it's it's eroding, it's eroding, so it's disgusting. So then what? You have the license to move the millstone out. Of the room. That's the Eitzah. To have your Shabbatki. Yosef Abai, we'll say, get ready for this. Say, Yosef Abai, Abai got the Eitzah. Because Kashile. So he heard what his Rebbe told him, but he had a Kasha. Vichi Osin Graf Sharei Lechatchila. Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to Lechatchila create a Graf Sharei? We'll say, Abai's bed was not in that room. The millstone by themselves are not a Graf Sharei. Rab is advising him, create a Graf Sharei situation. And Abayah thinks to himself, are you allowed to create a Graf Shari situation? Adahachi, as he was contemplating this, his millstone was destroyed. Amr, Tisili. So Abayah says, you know what? I deserved it. Because I transgressed the words of my Rebbe. So ultimately, again, I will say a very profound story because Abayah felt that Rabbi, he went to his Rabbi, he asked his Rabbi Yeshayla, the Rabbi gave him an Eitzah, he questioned the wisdom of his Rabbi, and so ultimately, again, this happened. Also, I think that there's another very, so again, in general, in general, this is an interesting idea about how, in, we, in general, we relate to advice that we get, which is fascinating. Again, this is obviously, this is a buy-in Rabbah, so Rabbah's Rabbah, Rabbah's Rabbah. So one can make the strong argument when Rabbah tells you something, just do it and don't question it. But I think that there's another profound lesson in this, which is sometimes the results of overanalyzing something. Sometimes, again, there's a problem, there's a solution. And sometimes we spend so much time perseverating over the solution. Oh, what about this? Or what about that? Or how about this? How about that? You know what that creates? That creates analysis paralysis. And what happens when you suffer from analysis paralysis? Stuff crumbles all around you. See, sometimes in life, you have to think things through, but then you have to be ready to take decisive action. There are people who constantly want to think more and analyze more and contemplate this. And did we consider this? Did we consider that? What about this possibility, that possibility, this opinion, that opinion? Again, is it good to think things through? Absolutely. But at a certain point in time, you have to move forward. You have to take decisive action. Because if you don't, if you don't, the structures of life and the possibilities of life come crumbling down all around you. Amr Shmuel, Graf Sharei, Ba'avet Shomer Aglai, Mortal Al-Tumah Ashba. So we'll say, here's the case. Graf Sharei. So right, now we'll say, Graf Sharei literally means a container which contains excrement. That is literally what it means. But it comes to represent in Halacha anything that is a bit repulsive. Ba'avet Shomer Aglai, a bowl of urine. Mortal Al-Tumah Ashba. You're permitted to go in and carry them out to the garbage dump. Again, I just want to point out over here. This is very important because often this is misunderstood by Muktza. So the halacha by Muktza is that once you're permitted to move something, you don't have to put it down at the first available moment. Once you're permitted to move it, 
you could take it wherever you need to take it. So, you know, the classic case of this is you left your hammer on your dining room table, right? Hammer is a klisha malach to iser. You can move it. When you pick it up, you don't have to drop it at the first available, you know, spot off the dining room table. Once you're allowed to pick it up, you can put it away wherever you want. You want to put it away in the attic. You want to put it away in the basement. You're allowed to take it wherever you need to take it. Same with Graf Shalrei. You're not only are you allowed to move it from, from the area in which you are residing, but you can take it wherever it needs to be taken. zero, and when you bring it back, no snow, no sing bomayim, umach zero. You could put some water in it, you could put some water in it, and ultimately, again, you can bring it back. Now Rashi says over here, no snin bomayim mach zero, demuktsin mach musmiyosein, We'll listen to this. The Gemara is saying, when you bring the Graf Sharei back, you should put a little bit of usable water. Now, when we say usable, not for you, not for you, right? But for your animals, right? For your animals. The, the idea being over here, technically speaking, when you empty out that Graf Sharei, I will say, that's Muktza. It's Muktza Machmas Mios. It's disgusting. So because so, so how, how do you how do you circumvent the muktzamachmas mius issue? Put a little bit of water in it. Right? So as long as an animal could drink the water, then ultimately again I could carry it back in. Umachzero savarmine graf sharei agav mana in bifne atzmanala. Both say now what the gemara suggests is as follows. It's very interesting to note that the way the gemara illustrates the case of graf sharei is how where the offensive item is in a kli. So it sounds like the only way you can handle a def- an offensive item is when it's housed in a kli. But to touch the item itself, whatever the offensive item might be, does not sound like it's mutter. To which the Gemara says, Tashma, tu achbarta ashi. There was once a mouse that was found amongst the spices of Ravashi. They found a dead mouse. So Ravashi, nakta b'tzutsisa vafkua. Take it by the tail and throw it out. You got to have a guy for that, right? Even Ravashi said to someone, whoever that someone was, right? Do me a favor. Why don't you just get that out of here? Right, so, so the idea, why we bring up this case? Because again, he's taking the mouse by itself. So you see over here that the din of Graf Shalrei doesn't only apply when the offensive item is in a kli, but Graf Shalrei allows you to even handle the offensive item directly. Beautiful. Says the Mishnah. Kol Shechayam. This, this, this is, we are about to start. We only have, what is it? One, two... Three more days left of there. Four more days left of there. We're going to see now. We're going to begin now an incredible, incredible mission, incredible sugya that will take us into tomorrow. The Mishnah is now introducing us to three categories. This will at least begin this today. There is what's called a shvus. Shvus are things that you are not allowed to do midrabanon. Okay, so we've had extensive you know, exposure to that. Sandy the answer shows, I will say, Rishos are things that are, have like a little bit of a mitzvah association, are kind of what we'll call like quasi-mitzvos, but not complete mitzvos. And of course, a mitzvah is a mitzvah. So what the Mishnah is saying is, anything that you're in any shvus, Rishos, or mitzvah, that you can't do on Shabbos, you also can't do on Yom Tov. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, Rashi says, "Kol shechayiv alav mitivrei sofrim shalola asos b'shabes mishum shavus or mishum rishos sheish bokitzas mitzvah alo mitzvah alo mitzvah gidola bekarav hu lihios davar harishos v'yish bokitzas mitivrei sofrim or mishum mitzvah." So I'll say, so again, anything 
that on Shabbos you can't do because it's an Eser Rabbanon, or it's, even if it's a little bit of a Mitzvah Roshos, but you still can't do it, or it's a Mitzvah, but you still can't do it, which is another way of saying anything that's prohibited on Shabbos is going to be prohibited on Yom Tiv itself. For, let's give some examples. We'll see some examples of things that you can't do because they are Eser Rabbanon. Lo Olin Bi'ilan. You can't climb a tree. Again, we'll discuss the reasons for this. You can't ride an animal. You're not allowed to swim. Right? You can't clap your hands against each other. You can't clap your hand against your thigh. You can't dance. So I will say, these are all examples of things that Chazal said you can't do because of Shavos. And it's a drabon. And we'll discuss why that is. Here are other examples of things you can't do because of Rishos. I will say, Rishos means what? Things that have like a quasi-mitzvah identity, but you still can't do them. Lo Dunin, we don't adjudicate cases. Lo Mekachin, we don't do Kiddushin, we don't get married. Lo Cholzin, we don't do Chalitza. But Lo Miyadmin, you can't do Yibum. Ve'elohei Mishum Mitzvah. And I will say, third category are things that are Mamish Mitzvah, but you still can't do them on Shabbos and Yom Tev. Lo Makdishin, you can't make something Hagdish. You can't create an Erech vow, which is when you vow the value of a certain item. You cannot make a Cherem vow, which is when you give something to the Beis HaMikdash. You cannot go ahead and separate out Shumas and Maestros. All of these things are Asra and Yamtiv. All the more so on Shabbos. For the only distinction between Shabbos and Yom Tiv is that on Yom Tiv you have the license of Ocha Nefesh. Shabbosai, Emir Tashem, tomorrow we will cover this riveting sugya. Shkayach and Chadesh.